everybody. Welcome to Reframe, a podcast all about becoming a better version of yourself. Don't worry, this is all going to be backed by research and personal experience, so we're sure to get you from version 1 to your 2.0 self. Hi, my name is Via and I'm a relationship coach, creative designer, songwriter and Twitch streamer who has a passion for podcasting. Today, we're talking about empathy fatigue and ways you can overcome it. So sit back, grab a drink, snacks, whatever makes you comfy and listen in. So people often describe empathy as walking in someone else's shoes, right? But what if we got it wrong? If we walk in someone else's shoes, we might find ourselves taking ownership of someone else's story and overstepping our boundaries. When this happens, we become prone to empathy fatigue, which can lead to burnout and increased stress. So how do we deal with this? Today, we'll look at empathy fatigue, its symptoms and causes, and some ways to overcome it. Let's dive in. What is empathy fatigue? Well, it's described as the physical, emotional, and mental exhaustion that can result from providing emotional support to others. It's especially prevalent in those who may be overexposed to others' emotional needs in a supportive role, like healthcare workers, teachers, and nurses. Overexposure to emotional needs can lead to stress and increase cortisol levels, contributing to someone's inability to respond with compassion. So, while the stress of overexposure to others' emotional needs is a factor that contributes to empathy fatigue, it occurs most often when someone lacks boundaries. Again, it occurs most often when someone lacks boundaries and takes on someone else's pain or emotion as their own. Thus, feeling for versus feeling with someone often causes empathy fatigue. Let me say that again. Feeling for versus feeling with someone often causes empathy fatigue. So a research by Brene Brown indicates that empathy distress fatigue results from an inward focused emotional response to others' needs. For example, if you have a tendency to insert yourself into someone else's story rather than hearing their story as their own, then you might struggle with empathy fatigue. Here's a very healthy empathic stance. I honor your struggle. Whereas a very unhealthy empathic stance, not actual empathy, would be, I own your struggle as my own. So here's a quote from Brene Brown. We can respond empathetically only if we are willing to be present to someone's pain. If we're not willing to do that, it's not real empathy. Now that we know what empathy fatigue is, what are some signs that you have it? The thing is, you have to pay attention. When you lack boundaries and take on someone else's pain or emotion as your own, the symptoms of empathy fatigue you may experience can include 1. Feeling overwhelmed, saying, I can't seem to function due to someone else's pain. Second would be feeling emotionally drained, um, having difficulty sleeping, difficulty concentrating, physical exhaustion, apathy, meaning you've become numb from overexposure to another person's pain, Uh, irritability, you can't give attention to one more thing, feeling emotionally disconnected, this is a big one. So let's look at the ways you can protect yourself against empathy fatigue. All right, according to research by Theresa Wiseman, 
One defining attribute of empathy is perspective taking. This means to see the world as others see it. Without perspective, you don't have empathy at all, and you're more likely to fall into empathy fatigue. Now, perspective taking protects you against empathy fatigue because it helps you focus on the other rather than your own emotional response and ownership of their pain. Gaining perspective requires you to be outward focused, ask questions, and seek understanding. Perspective taking welcomes you to understand and honor another's story without making it about yourself. Brené Brown suggests that empathy is not about walking in someone else's shoes. Quote unquote. Instead, she suggests that empathy is learning about what it's like to walk in someone else's shoes and believe them, even when their experience doesn't align with your reality. For example, someone might come to you at work and say, "My boss just yelled at me about how I performed on this project, and I'm feeling rejected." A feeling for a response might sound something like, "Wow, I don't believe he would say something like that. Are you sure?" What did you do? I'm so angry. I'll talk to him about it and fix it for you. Now, a feeling with response might sound something like, "Wow, that's a tough position to be in. I know what it feels like to work hard on a project and feel unappreciated. I see you. Do you want to process your situation together? Do you see the difference between those two responses? There's a great example of how empathy works, and it's an animated video narrated by Brene Brown herself. And I'll be linking that in the show notes, so you can go watch that. The important thing to do is to refrain from comparison. So, one way to fall victim to empathy fatigue is to compare someone's pain to someone else's worst pain, including your own. Initially, it may sound like you're attempting to be supportive or provide perspective, but it tends to dismiss someone's genuine feelings. Maybe you've heard something like this: "I know you're hungry, but there are starving kids in Africa." Comparison, especially when trying to be empathetic, turns your focus back on your discomfort with someone else's struggle, or worse, puts you in a position of judgment toward the other person's pain. In either case, comparison creates disconnection, and can overwhelm you with the weight of the world. So instead of comparison, try mentally putting your internal biases on a shelf. Turn your focus outward toward the person you're connecting with. Ask questions to gain a greater understanding. You make others feel truly heard by asking questions and listening with intention. Ultimately, this focus gives you greater freedom to connect with others. Without the added strain of measuring their pain against yours or others, the next tip is to feel your emotions. One of the keys to protecting yourself against empathy fatigue is self-awareness and recognizing your own emotions as you show up for the needs of others. This starts with allowing yourself to feel your feelings and not ignore them. I sometimes still struggle with this. I'm not gonna lie. So prioritizing me time and creating space for yourself to feel your emotions is especially critical if you regularly expose yourself to the needs of others. Creating space might require you to say no to obligations or even certain relationships that require you to overextend yourself. Frontline workers and caretakers are especially prone to empathy fatigue due to the counterintuitive coping mechanisms they tend to adopt. To deal with the everyday stress of showing up for people, this might include avoiding their feelings and becoming numb to their surroundings. However, this increases stress and fatigue and can lead to burnout over time. 
So I'd like to call your attention and say it's important to note here that if you have developed a coping mechanism to numb your emotions over time, what you may be experiencing is PTSD, not simply empathy fatigue. Since empathy fatigue happens when we take on other people's emotions as our own without taking care of ourselves, more profound issues here are likely at play. You may also struggle with boundaries, codependency, burnout, or anxiety. Now, if you think this might be you, it's essential to seek professional support. Your emotional and mental health matters. Here's another thing you can do. You can find a safe space to feel and express your emotions. Seek out a trusted friend, therapist, or even a journal. Feeling and expressing your feelings will help you gain the self-awareness you need to show up for yourself and others as well. Next tip is to practice mindfulness. Mindfulness is a practice of staying present with yourself and being aware of your emotions, triggers, and stresses throughout the day. Practicing mindfulness might be in the form of meditation, journaling, yoga, walking in nature, or anything that brings you back to a clear mind and self-awareness. Similar to feeling your emotions, practicing mindfulness is a great way to combat empathy, fatigue, as you become more self-aware, you'll be able to set healthy boundaries that allow you to be present with the emotions of others. Ultimately, research shows that mindfulness improves your expression of empathy and compassion and helps you develop deeper connections. Next, and I've mentioned this before, set boundaries. According to Brené Brown's research, empathy without boundaries is not empathy. So let's go back to the idea of feeling for versus feeling with someone. It might look like this when you feel for someone, okay? And I quote, this is how I feel about your grief. Here are some solutions. That is feeling for someone. Now, what would it look like if you were feeling with? It would be the grief you feel is real and hard. I've been there too. Do you want to talk more about what you're experiencing? So do you see the difference in this one again? If you try to put yourself in someone else's shoes, you not only become more disconnected, but also overstep their boundaries and input your emotional response into their experience. Your emotions become entangled with their experience while also dismissing it, ultimately breaking down your connection. So here are some tactics to feel with someone, all right? First, instead of providing solutions to their problem, listen. I cannot emphasize this more. In, I'll have to repeat it. Instead of providing solutions to their problem, listen, okay? Listen to them. Second, instead of feeling sorry for someone, let them know you understand how they feel. Pity is different from understanding, right? Third, instead of telling someone how they should feel, accept the discomfort of their emotions. You can't always project yourself how you would feel because it's a different experience for everybody. Fourth, instead of discharging blame for the shame they might feel, say, that must have been hard. I can't emphasize this enough. This is like the best way I can describe it. Instead of discharging blame for the shame they might feel, say, that must have been hard. Next, instead of comparing their experience with yours, ask more questions about theirs. We tend to do this a lot. And I've, oh gosh, I've been with people who've done this. And yeah. It can be taxing, but also a, a bit dismissive. Last one, instead of dismissing their feelings with something like, 
you're wrong, that's not true. Say, I believe you. Now, this is not being delusional. This is not you enabling them. It's just that at that point, they need to know that someone's on their side. They need to know that you believe them for what they like what they're talking about. Instead of like attacking them and saying, Oh, you're wrong. That's not that's not true. Like that's not being empathetic. Next up is da, 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 take a social media break. I am guilty of this. I cannot. I always tell myself my work surrounds the internet. I cannot do any of this, but I actually think I can. I just don't want to. So back to the topic. Take a social media break. Being on social media can be a great way to stay connected to others, but unfortunately, heavy use of social media can also lead to anxiety, depression, and other mental health issues, especially in young people. In addition to people comparing themselves to others and getting addicted, social media also gives people 24-7 real-time access to news and events going on in the world. Without healthy boundaries and self-awareness, overexposure to traumatic events can contribute to secondary traumatic distress, making it harder to show up for people with empathy. So your social media break might look something like this. Limiting yourself to 30 minutes a day on social media, only using social media in short stints for maybe 15 minutes at a time, maybe three to five times a day at the max. Now, these are all just examples. I'm not telling you to do this strictly, you know, abide by these rules, but these are just examples, right? Um, Another way would be taking 10 days or even a month long break to disconnect. This is extreme. I know some people who cannot do this. I might be one of them. Um, And the fourth would be filling the time usually spent on social media with a new activity you've wanted to try. Now, this for me would be journaling. I've always journaled in all the years of my life. And I've, you know, come to realize that journaling at the end of every day really like hones me back in and brings me back in, plant my feet on the ground and just forget whatever else happened that day. All right, my next tip would be to take care of your basic needs. So whatever your profession, it's not easy to be emotionally available to others if you haven't first taken care of your basic needs. If your blood sugar is low, for example, you might be more irritable and find yourself getting frustrated when someone comes to you with an issue when you might otherwise be readily present. Want to be more empathetic? maybe try eating a sandwich. (laughs) But in all seriousness though, there's a reason the safety instructions when you get in an airplane include putting on your oxygen mask first before helping someone else. You will not be able to help anyone else if you can't breathe, right? So ask yourself what you need now and take care of it. When you feel drained, pay attention to your body, emotions, and thoughts. So how do you figure out what you need? You can start with Maslow's hierarchy of needs and go through a checklist. So first thing, physiological. Are you hungry, thirsty, tired, cold? That's the first one. Second is safety and security. Are you secure right now? Are you in danger? Third is belonging, the feeling of belonging or being loved. So are you lonely, disconnected at all? Fourth would be your self-esteem. Are you taking steps toward your goals? And fifth, Self-actualization. You can ask yourself, are you fulfilled right now? My next tip would be to practice deep self-care. 
Similar to taking care of your basic needs, self-care also helps you overcome empathy fatigue. While your basic needs cover food, water, shelter, hygiene, and sleep, self-care includes engaging in activities that relax or bring joy. Your self-care routine may look different than someone else's, depending on your personality type, but the benefits are substantial. So research have indicated that it boosts self-esteem, productivity, and happiness. What's your go-to self-care activity? Mine would be reading, listening to music, um, journaling, creating art, writing a blog or maybe vlogging, traveling, playing games. Maybe you'd like to travel, experiencing new restaurants, watching the movie, sightseeing. There's a lot you can do to prioritize yourself and have self-care. Similar to that, you can also, and this is another tip, prioritize your mental health. So prioritizing your mental health can significantly impact your empathy satisfaction and your ability to show up well for others. A recent research study on nurses showed that psychological intervention had a significant impact on reducing burnout and improving empathy satisfaction in the workplace. We've already mentioned a few suggestions, but here are a few more. So you got to pay attention to your thought patterns, right? To do this, you should filter your thoughts through a set of questions. For example, are you prone to black and white thinking, meaning this is wrong or this is right? Are you overgeneralizing, telling yourself, oh, he didn't reply to my text, he doesn't love me anymore? Are you jumping to conclusions, telling yourself, I didn't get invited, everyone always forgets about me? That's jumping to conclusions. Another would be, are you catastrophizing? I can't travel there. What if I get robbed? So please be very careful with your thought patterns. Um, the next one would be to set goals and priorities. Your goals can provide clarity of direction and give you the agency to move forward with a positive mindset. To get started, you might think about each area of your life, like your career, friends, family, your health, your hobbies. Then write down your desires for each area in five years, one year, and one month. Break down your goals into smaller, attainable chunks and build them into your weekly schedule. This has become a very eye-opening experience for me. I recently bought a planner to use on my iPad. And the one that I bought had this in it, like setting goals for like five years, a month, one year, something like that. And it really got me to sit down and look at my priorities. I did this in like a night and I'm continuing, like I'm still doing it at, at the moment, but it's really helped me hone in on what I want, on what I want to happen and the path that I need to take to get there. So it could help you too. The next tip is very important, which is to take a break. Empathy fatigue is draining, no doubt. It can be a lot to carry the emotions of others. This is especially true for caregivers and people in caregiving roles who expose themselves to the suffering of others. Taking breaks, even short ones, can help you manage your stress. Let's talk short breaks. So in the height of overwhelm, you may need help to focus on the task at hand or attend to someone's needs. In these moments, you may not always be able to take a break. In the short term, your break may look like a five-minute breather. Medium breaks would be valuable too, um, to be preventative and build breaks into your schedule, basically. 
These can look like 20-minute breaks in the morning to recenter, breathe, and meditate. And finally, we have long breaks. Your break may also include a full week vacation to disconnect and care for your mental health. So, what you can do right now is to maybe look at your calendar and block out your breaks. Being intentional about your breaks, both the short and the long ones, can help you prioritize your well-being. For example, you might try a workday schedule that includes a morning of spending 30 minutes in meditation or like maybe journaling, maybe exercising in the morning. Um, or if you have time, do both. You could also block meetings for 45 minutes instead of an hour, you know, give yourself 15 minutes at the end of each meeting to take a walk and let your subconscious process your thoughts. Lunch would look like completely disconnecting from work. I used to eat, well, I still do, <laughs> have to admit that. But during lunch, I eat in front of my PC and I still look at work, which is most likely unhealthy. But take the time to eat, to actually eat, sit down, do an activity you like, like chatting with a friend, uh, playing a game, or maybe taking a walk outside, getting that vitamin D. The next bit of advice would be to connect with others. An essential aspect of mental well-being is a connection with others, and it's especially critical for those experiencing emotional distress, traumatic stress, or empathy fatigue. These symptoms may indicate the need for deeper, authentic connections with other people. Here's the thing, human connection is essential for survival. Essential. Yeah, it's not optional, it's actually essential. So in research by John Cacioppo, I hope that I said his name right, um, it's highlighted in Atlas of the Heart, he discovered that those who are lonely are 45% more likely to die early. I'll say it again. He discovered that those who are lonely are 45, 45% more likely to die early. Loneliness is more likely to increase your chances of dying early than obesity, which is 20% and excessive drinking, which is 30%. So think about who are the people who bring you joy, energy, or peace of mind. All right, so we've talked about all these tips, things you can do. Now it's time for some practical advice for empathy fatigue takeaways. So to summarize, take note of this practical advice to overcome empathy fatigue. First, get perspective. Ask questions that help you honor someone's story. Don't make this about yourself. It's about them. Next, refrain from comparison. Mentally put your internal biases on a shelf. Third, feel your emotions. Give yourself permission and a safe space to feel rather than become numb. This is very important. Number four, practice mindfulness. Practice self-awareness, techniques to show up for yourself. Next is to set boundaries. Remember to feel with and not for someone. Next, take care of your basic needs. Put the oxygen mask on yourself before helping someone else. Next, take a social media break. Consider a break from the internet. Practice deep self-care. Engage in an activity that relaxes or brings you joy. You should also prioritize your mental health by paying attention to your thought patterns and practice gratitude. Next up, take a break. Schedule breaks whenever you can. Next tip, get out of your element. Plan a trip to somewhere new or an activity you've never tried. I love this one. <laughs> of course, you must also connect with other people. So maybe put a date on the calendar to spend time with a trusted friend. 
And of course, last but not least, talk to a therapist. If you're feeling symptoms of empathy fatigue and you need someone to help process it with, you might just need some professional help as well. And it's not wrong to do that. All right, so that was today's episode. Um, I really had fun putting this together and doing some research on it and all that. And it's been a journey. I've had to look inwardly at myself and my own habits. And while I cannot say for sure that I've like 100%. And that's it. I am so happy to have brought you this topic. I hope you enjoyed. And until the next one. Also, if you want to check out my links, they'll be in the show notes in the description. And please do subscribe, follow, share this with other people who you think will need this help and other self-improvement techniques.